This is the Midweeks. All right, and welcome. This is Rob. I'm glad you're here. I'm actually really grateful that you're listening and tuning in. Uh, This is a place where I share some thoughts, maybe some things that didn't make it into the weekend message, but are worthy of sharing, or at least you can be the judge of that. Today I want to talk about pot, hot sauce, and then we'll continue working through uh, 1 Corinthians, the book for our age. All right, so if you're a Canadian, you know that on October 17th, they legalized recreational pot use in Canada with lots of restrictions and lots of taxes. And uh, on Sunday, I gave a idea of how we can think about this and look at this from a Christian perspective. And so I, I thought I'd share that again here with a little bit of an expanded commentary on it as well. So what to do about pot or not to do, what to think about it. The reality is, is that it's a plant. And it is a plant that God made. I know it gets grown and maybe um, taught to be more potent through hybrids or something like that. But it is a plant that God made. So it's not inherently evil. Okay. Uh, We live in a fallen world, which means that we live in a world that God created good. That's Genesis chapter 1. He created all things good, but became fallen through the rebellious behavior of mankind. Our first parents rebelled against God's one command, and through it the entire creation became broken. And so everything in creation uh, pretty much has a good potential use when used to serve the Lord by people, but also has uh, the possibility of great destruction and, um, and to be used for evil. So pot is similar to this. And so what I did on Sunday, and I'll I'll say it again here, is I compared it to the use of alcohol. Okay, so alcohol is, alcoholic drinks are um, plants first. And they're, they're, we do stuff to them to turn sugars or starches into alcohol in order to make a beverage out of it. So the first instance of Alcohol being produced, recorded in the scriptures through Noah. And Noah is a hero of the faith. You might remember he was the righteous man who found favor in the sight of God before the flood. And God, (laughs) excuse me, taught him how to build a boat so that he and his family would be saved. So Noah was a righteous guy. He was a man of faith. He walked with God. But after the flood subsided, he became a wine producer. And, you know, the Old Testament speaks highly of wine and of vineyards. It's kind of the idea of something that takes a long time to create and cultivate and produce. Wine is not easily produced. You need to grow the vines, protect the vines, grow the grapes, take the grapes, press the grapes, um, preserve the, the wine or the grape juice and in such a way that it becomes wine. It's actually very difficult to do and takes a lot of time and energy. And so it's kind of this picture of... Um, something that takes a lot of human effort and produces something good. But what did Noah do with the wine? Well, he he, pretty soon after he made it, he got intoxicated and got passed out drunk. And then one of his sons kind of made fun of him about it, and it ended up producing a curse on his family. And so in that one story, you see the two sides of what people do with technology, what people do with products. They can create things. And sometimes these creations are nice, but sometimes they're used for terrible with terrible consequences. And so 
um, there's this parallel um, with pot as well. It's just a plant in one sense, but um, and it does have some good uses, and it does have some really bad consequences for, for how it gets used. So in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, in 1 Timothy, I think it's chapter uh, 5, he says to Timothy, take a little wine with you because of your uh, stomach and your frequent ailments. And so here is wine, this thing that can be used badly, um, being commanded in Scripture to be used for a good purpose. And I'm not sure exactly what was wrong with Timothy. Did he have just a poor constitution? And there was some idea that this had some health benefits? Or was it that he traveled a lot, and when you're traveling a lot, you end up drinking water with different bugs or amoebas in it that can make you sick so you know somebody who travels down to Mexico from Canada what are they told they're told don't drink the water down there you just won't be able to handle it it'll make you sick and but if you're drinking wine there's a lot less likely chance you're going to come some kind of bug because the alcohol content keeps the the wine or the beer or whatever it is um, healthier you know, when we brought our son back from Eastern Europe after an adoption, the doctor joked about just giving him some vodka in, in the event that he might have had some kind of stomach bug from <laughs> where he lived. And he was just saying in Eastern Europe, there are a lot of stomach bugs, uh, a lot of potential for parasites. But the men typically don't have the bugs because they drink vodka and the vodka just kills everything in their stomach. So I'm not advocating for that, but it's just a reality. And I, I wonder if that's part of why Paul told Timothy to, to drink wine for the sake of his stomach. On the other hand, in Ephesians chapter 5, Paul says to not be drunk with wine, but instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. And this is the other side of the coin. Um, we can take parts of creation, we can take food, and we can do things with it. We can take plants, we can do things with it that mess us up. So Paul says, do not be drunk with wine, for this is debauchery. Or um, the actual word there is like asoteria, which means something like unsalvation, unsaved. And the idea being kind of like this is heading in the opposite direction of what um, a whole life looks like. This is heading in the opposite direction of what a, a godly life, a Christ-filled life looks like. And instead, Paul says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so the idea being like that um, drunkenness is a kind of idolatry where you're trying to replace God with a created thing to do something, to save you, to help you deal with life, to distort reality so you can handle it, to be your joy, to be your, your fun, to be your entertainment. It's a replacement for God. So he says, don't Take wine and use it to replace what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life. And this is wonderful. This, this is very empowering for us as Christians. We know that when we have things that we've been leaning on in a bad way, that we've been self-medicating with in a bad way, we have the thing that really we're supposed to have. We have the Holy Spirit, who is God himself, who comes and lives inside of us when we believe in Jesus. And he can give us the joy we want. He can give us the peace we want. He can be the love of God experienced inside of us. And he can actually, he is actually what we're hungry for and what we want when we seek things to self-medicate with. So I think this is directly applicable to marijuana use. The big difference is, is that uh, marijuana or cannabis is a plant, but it's not a food plant. And so though it does have uses like in making hemp and stuff like that, um, there, there isn't a use just for eating it. Um, 
there are medical uses for it that are similar to what Timothy had happened. So there are people who have tremors sometimes, some diseases that cause tremors, some conditions that cause nausea where um, using medical marijuana is a pathway for them to deal with the symptoms of their sickness. And so I think this is actually a, a viable thing. It's part of God's creation that can be used for health. And I think this is a good thing. It's a gift from God when it's used like that. But when it's used like that, it should be used, you know, in community. So under the direction of a competent doctor and with keeping an eye on whether or not it, the negative side, the, the side effects are outweighing the benefits. This is the thing about medicine. There's always effects and there's side effects. And sometimes the side effects, which could include like addiction and bondage to it, um, outweigh the benefits of being on it. And it's the people around you who know you and love you who are probably going to be the ones that can tell how you're doing. Um, but for for marijuana use for entertainment purposes, which is kind of what got legalized, um, this is like pursuing drunkenness. Like people don't smoke marijuana just for the smell. Um, and you can't really smoke it just for to give for the vitamins or for the health sake of it. Um, it's usually to get stoned or high, and that's where it enters the territory of being sin for Christians and not pleasing the Lord. It's a, a reality-distorting activity, and this doesn't please the Lord. And so it's, it's similar to alcoholic drinks, but it's also dissimilar in that it isn't a food and it isn't a drink. It is just something that, that has chemicals that do things to your brain. And if the idea is you're not using it in community under the direction of a, a doctor for a medical purpose, it's probably in order to um, enter into that territory that's the same as drunkenness. Now, one other thing that, um, two other things that uh, are interesting here is just the use of marijuana isn't just socially neutral. There is a bit of a bad boy attitude about it, and maybe that's because it was legal or whatever, but there are people who do it just because it's kind of like bad. It's just kind of like naughty. It's just kind of like stick it to my parents. It's kind of like stick it to the to the man kind of things. And so there's that social aspect around it as well that uh, Christians are not called to participate in. It's not our job to kind of be naughty. It's not our job to kind of try to foster a bad boy attitude. You can end up being treated like a bad boy just for following Jesus passionately, but that's not something we're meant to kind of try to be part of the cool crowd who's a bad boy, who does this stuff and doesn't really care what the principal thinks. Um, that is a social reality for, for marijuana use, but it's not something that we're called to participate in. And also from kind of a political perspective, um, it is always strange when the government which should be there for the protection of its citizens is making money off of this kind of stuff and so because they're going to end up having divided interests on the one hand they want the tax revenue of of legal pot sales on the other hand they also have to kind of deal with whatever mental health issues come up from the use of this it's similar to cigarettes um we know that cigarettes lead to lots of health issues and they're heavily taxed. And so the government's in this place where it's like it wants the taxes, but it also um, is taxing something that, that hurts its citizens and also ends up having to pay for the health care of people who have cancer and stuff like that because of cigarette use. So it's a bit of a mess and it almost would be better if it were untaxed and people were free to do it, but then at the same time that people had to suffer the consequences of their behavior 
on their own a bit more so that they'd have to think about it. Um, so it's kind of dodgy. It's, it is really dodgy when uh, drug use is a form of tax revenue for the government. But anyhow, this is the world we live in. I think we can pray about it, and I think that we can ask the Lord to really move. And the last thing I just want to say, I don't think we should actually be looking to uh, preach Jesus to people who are using these drugs because we know the source. We know the source of true love. We know the source of true joy. We know the source of true peace that passes, surpasses understanding. And so we actually have something to offer through the gospel to people who um, are really excited about smoking up. All right, just for this middle segment of the midweeks, I just want to share something I enjoy. Okay, something that's really great. And this is something I really enjoy. I like hot sauces. And for my birthday, my wife bought me a bottle of Louisiana brand hot sauce. It is just delicious. I'm happy just to open the top off of that thing and just smell it. There's a kind of a richness of the flavor of the smell that just is just excellent and it's not too spicy. You know, some people um, really enjoy trying to eat the hottest hot sauces ever and I've done that and I've been there and my digestive tract does not thank me for it at all. But this is the kind of hot sauce that isn't too spicy but has tons of flavor. So if you're a hot sauce fanatic, Louisiana, Louisiana brand is great. It's got that kind of yellow label. Label. I don't get paid anything for this endorsement. <laughs> I just really enjoy it. And I'm really grateful that I get to live in a time where that kind of stuff can get mass produced from the southern states and shipped all the way up here. All right, let's conclude our time together by looking at the Word of God. We are in 2 Corinthians, and Paul has been talking for some time to this church, and he's addressing divisions that are happening in the church where people are gathering behind certain popular teachers, whether it's him, whether it's the Apostle Peter, whether it's Apollos or somebody else. And he's just been talking about how the gospel destroys the hierarchy of human wisdom and human accomplishment that unbelievers work through of how people prove they're great how people prove they're something special the gospel destroys that by sending god the son to be humiliated through a death on the cross he just has undercut the kind of power by miracles aspect that the jews were looking for he undercuts the power the uh powers by philosophy and by human knowledge that the Greeks love. And he, God has demonstrated his great power to be able to bring salvation to the world, salvation to people and everlasting life to everyone who believes in him through the death of his son. This doesn't make any sense in one aspect, but it is how God did it. And so he's undercut human power values, human success values. And he's just also said, you know, there is a wisdom from God that the Holy Spirit reveals to us through the gospel where we see that God saving the world through Christ in his weakness is actually the wisdom and power of God that's revealed to us by the Spirit. And now he's going to come back and address the current situation in the church, which is their division and infighting over people. And so at the beginning of chapter 3, he says this, but I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, but not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you are not ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For one says, I follow Paul, and another says, I follow Paulus. Aren't you not being merely human? 
What then is Apollos, and what is Paul? Servants, through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. But we are God's fellow workers, and you are God's field, God's building. Okay, so this is just part of the chapter. The whole chapter is is really meant to be whole, but I don't want to take too much, um, a bite, too big of a bite. So we're just going to deal with these two chunks, verses 1 through 4 and 5 through 9. What's going on here? So the first thing, Paul is going to take down the Corinthians' pride a notch by saying that they aren't really spiritual people, but actually operating in the flesh. And why this takes down their pride is that they really think they're spiritual people, in part because there's so many spiritual gifts running around, people speaking in tongues, people prophesying, people praying and having miracles happening. They really think they're the stuff. They're the best. They're spiritual. But Paul is saying you're not actually as spiritual as you think because of this reason. And so there's this contrast between spirit and flesh here. And what he doesn't mean is that he's not talking about the difference between like spiritual as an invisible airy fairy stuff and flesh as skin and bone. What he's talking about is the difference between seeing the world through the eyes of the Holy Spirit and his wisdom or seeing the world through the eyes of mere fallen men and kind of having that way of evaluating each other that human beings do when they don't know the gospel and they don't know Christ. And so he's saying... You guys are still in the flesh. You guys are just little babies in Christ. Ouch! Why? Because there's jealousy and strife amongst you. If you're comparing to each other, if you're jockeying for position against each other, if you're evaluating yourselves against people, you're in the flesh. This is not how God does it, and this is not what the gospel teaches us to do. The gospel teaches us to see as ourselves as all fallen sinners in need of Christ. And once we're saved, we are a product of what God does with us. And this is what he says next. He says, what's Apollos? What's Paul? These are these people who have been lifted up as teachers so that people can say, I follow this guy, I follow that guy. It's not so much about these guys being great. It's about the pride that people have been taking in them because of their relationship to them. He says, they're just servants through whom you believed, but the Lord assigned to each. And so in this second half of the passage we read, Paul is fighting for them to have a completely God-centered view of their relationships to other people in the church. So he says, Apollos watered, God gave the growth. I preached, God did it. Uh, yeah, we're going to work and get our own wages, but we're just God's workers. We're, but you're God's field, you're God's building. This is all about God. This is all about God. And so this is what he's saying. If you want to be a spiritual person in your local church, you need to see your calling to the church as something from God. What other people are in the, doing in the church is not about their greatness or their celebrity, but it's really just a gift from God. And the good things that happen in the church aren't about my greatness or your greatness. It's just a gift from God. Paul is saying that if you want to be in the spirit and be a spiritual person, you need to take your glasses off and put on the glasses that see everything as a gift and a work of God. What somebody says to you is what they say to you, but it actually is about God. What are they saying? How are you responding? Do you, how do you feel? 
how's the sermon? Well, the question is, what did God say? What is God doing? This is about God. It's all about God. And Paul is saying to this church, you guys have the Holy Spirit and you have the beginnings of knowledge about Christ, but the way you're fighting and evaluating with each other and jockeying per, for position and saying, I'm great because I listen to this guy. I'm great because I listen to that podcast. I'm great because I really think highly of this teacher. I'm great because of the fact that you're saying I'm great and not God is great because of this God is great because of that. God is wonderful because of this. That It shows a fleshly way of thinking, a way of thinking as though Jesus never rose from the grave, a way of thinking about the world that is the way unbelievers see the world and not the way the Holy Spirit teaches us to think. So here's the question for us. Maybe, um, maybe you're in that space too where you kind of evaluate yourself, whether to your pride or to your false humility, by comparing in a fleshly way and not just being grateful for what God does. This is the way forward. You get God-focused and then you be grateful. God, thank you so much that you do this in me. God, thank you so much that you've given me this ministry, these relationships. God, thank you so much for what you're doing in that person. Thank you so much for for how you're blessing me through that person. Getting that God-centered attitude is the freedom that gets us out of jealousy and division and it enables us to see what God is doing and to honor him for what he does and to serve him well in a local church. Well, this is the midweeks. I hope you have a really great rest of your week and a wonderful weekend. It's November. If you're going to be growing out a mustache, be blessed in that. Otherwise, enjoy your scraped chin. Praise God.